that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis, and this is a recruiting Buckeye Talk. It's been a while since we've talked recruiting because a billion other things have been happening with the Ohio State football program. But while those things were going on, there were important things going on in the recruiting world for Ohio State's 2025 recruiting class, which is currently fifth nationally. And in fact, they might not even be done putting together the 2024 recruiting class, Andrew. So maybe we should start there. <laughs> maybe we should start with what might be getting added to the 2024 recruiting class, which could push it up to number two in the country. They had a visitor in Dominic Kirks a couple of weeks ago. Tell us a little bit about him and the potential addition of a guy like that and how that kind of came about. Yeah. So if you know anything about Ohio State's defensive line recruiting in the last kind of couple of weeks and months, uh, which everybody here would, I would hope. Um, Ohio State only brought in two defensive linemen in the 2024 class. Uh, Justin Scott was a five-star commit. He decommitted to go to Miami. Um, Then you only bring in Edric Houston, and for a while that kind of looked hairy. Uh, But you bring in a five-star player, you know, really, really talented. Uh, Ryan Day said that this is a guy who could contribute on day one. Uh, How much of that is Fact or fiction, we'll see, considering Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloa are coming back. How much you want to take those guys off the field? How much do you want to have, you know, Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry overpass? So kind of a, a, a unique situation there. But for the long-term aspect, we have talked about this when it came to recruiting, that there were some concerns because you only had Edric Houston at end and Eric Mensa up the middle, and those were your only two guys in the class, and Mensa's a three-star recruit. So it's kind of a, le- you know, certainly less of a sure thing than, uh, than the Houston situation. So enter Dominic Kirks. Uh, he's from Painesville. He, uh, he goes to Riverside High School. He's the number 251 player in the class, the number 33 defensive lineman, 6'4", uh, 255. He's good defensive end, um, really solid. He, he plays basketball. Uh, so if you watch him play basketball, like if you watch his highlight tapes, he's got good, uh, good bounce, I would call it, uh, good frame. You know, he just is really smooth the way that you, you kind of watch him play basketball and, and play watch him play football. Um, but it came about, too, because he was committed to Washington. You know, he, he was he was committed to Washington for a little while. He committed in June and he decommitted on January 12th. So he had an Ohio State visit last weekend, decommitted over the weekend. Uh, he wasn't going to sign on early signing day, hence why he's still out there. But Kalen DeBoer goes to Alabama. Ohio State really kind of circles back, gets in with this kid, and he decommits from Washington on his official visit from Ohio State. And I think a lot of people kind of kind of see where the writing is on the wall with, with the future here. So, you know, Kirks would give you a nice kind of steady option just in terms of quantity and in quality. I think you like what he can bring on the field you like what he brings just for the quantity of the class frankly you know you need some uh you know you need some help there you can't just recruit two defensive linemen per class um especially one as an end one as a tackle ryan day said on signing day that they want to have eight defensive ends and eight defensive tackles in their room and if you do the math adding one guy per cycle is not a uh not a really big um not a really big help to that you lost out on Chris Burgess. He goes to Notre Dame. He's from the 2025 class. So kind of getting Kirks in the 24 class certainly lessens the blow of, you know, maybe missing out on an Amaris Williams, 
a Justin Scott. It, it does kind of help you along with your numbers on the defensive line, and it gives you some uh, it gives you some depth and some talent up front. So that's the 2024 class, which right now has 20 commits as the number five class in the composite rankings. I think that if he does commit, like the ex- expectation is for him to join the classes, commit number 2021, I think that would move the class up to number two there right behind Georgia. And we're going to stick with the defensive theme here. That's going to be the theme of a lot of stuff we talk about here on this Friday Buckeye Talk because Ohio State's defensive recruiting is in a much better place than it was even a year ago at this time. And obviously that's the result of back-to-back years where you've had a top 15 defense. In fact, you had a top three defense in 2023. A couple of defensive additions. Andrew, let's start with Zaheer Mathis out of Pennsylvania. Tell us about that guy. Yeah, this kid is kind of an athletic freak. Uh, he's six. He's listed at six foot six and two hundred twenty five pounds. I still don't know how to pronounce this high school, but it's M I M H O T E P Institute. Emotep. Emotep. There it is. Emotep Institute. That's what it's called. Emotep. 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 So he's out of Emotep Institute, which is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a twenty twenty five defensive end. Uh, like I mentioned, with his size. 66225. Just think of that for a second. Think about how that would look on a person. Very lanky, very long but very lanky. Uh you know, he works as a defensive end and he just finished up his junior year. He still has a lot of time to put on some weight. Um you know, but I do think that that uh, I, I do think when you look at Mathis, he's a really really intriguing prospect uh because of that. You know, he's got you know, a lot of talent. He's got a lot of athleticism. He's got the requisite length. He's the number 38 overall player in the country for the 247 composite rankings, which is like right on the border of being a five-star. You know, it's, it's you know, you move up five rankings, five points, you're, you're a five-star player. Uh, he's the number five edge player. He's the number one player in the state of Pennsylvania. So you're talking about a guy who, you know, th- this, is re- this is a really talented kid. And not only is he a really talented kid, you you can see the vision a little bit of, of what this could be kind of down the line, right? You know, I mentioned the size. If you get that up to like 6'6", 260, 270, he's going to carry 260, 270 better than, you know, a six foot four guy would, like a Dominic Kirks, right? Like Dominic Kirks cannot carry 270 and play at a speedy kind of bouncy level on the edge like a Zaheer Mathis would. So he's got long arms. He's He's got great reach. And this is a guy who I think when you look at him long term, this is somebody who could be a really impactful pass rusher for Ohio State down the line. The last one, probably the biggest of the group, five-star cornerback Devin Sanchez out of Texas. I don't think we've talked about him on the pod. We did do a video about him as soon as he committed, but just talk a little bit more about him and what he brings to that cornerback room. Yeah, I mean, this is is a big deal, um, you know, because, I, you know, you get you get Mathis, obviously, but Sanchez is the higher rated of the, of the recruits that Ohio State's brought in. He's number six overall player in the country. Obviously, that is a five-star player. Number two corner in the country. The number two player in the state of Texas. Uh, he comes from North Shore High School out in Houston. That is a really, really talented high school football program, uh, as you might imagine, from a kid of that caliber that is playing in Texas. Uh, North Shore just played for a state championship game. I believe they lost to Duncanville, if memory serves. But that's the kind of quality program that this kid's coming from. So, you know, we talked about this with Aaron Noland, and we didn't talk about this with Lincoln Keenholz. I think that that does matter when you talk about guys that are playing positions. You know, I know those are two ends of the spectrum where – Hey, this guy's playing really high level football in Texas, in Georgia, in Florida, in California. That matters as compared to a kid playing in 
South Dakota. And no disrespect to South Dakota high school football, it's just different than Texas and Florida. And that's what you're getting with Devin Sanchez. You're getting a kid who is an elite level player in an elite level high school football program. He's six foot two and like 170, 180 pounds. Um, so he's already got the physical attributes that you would want out of an outside corner, right? You know, that's he's got a great wingspan. Um, you know, you talk to people around him, you know, and they'll tell you like, why, why would you throw at him on that side of the field when you've got that kind of speed? You know, he runs track. He's got great length. It's just, if you built a cornerback in a lab, I think you kind of come out with Devin Sanchez, right? You know, this is a guy who you just look at and he's got a great background. His brother played uh, division two football down in Texas. His mom was a UTEP sprinter. His dad was a UTEP football player. Like this guy's got football and sports and athleticism kind of in his blood, in his genes. And um, yeah, this is a big deal, I think, for who he is as a player. But more than that, Ohio State just went into Texas and beat out Texas A&M and LSU and a lot of these other SEC schools and a lot of these other schools down in that part of the country that really wanted this kid. Devin Sanchez is a player that every single program in the country would take. Like this is a must take absolute would take for every single program in the country, every single coach in the country, every single defense in the country. And Ohio state went in and got him. And we'll get into this here in a minute, I'm sure. But Ohio state, for years and especially like, you know, that was one of the first things that we talked about. I'm going to remember this forever. When I joined the beat, you know, we talked about Kingston Villiamuasa going to Notre Dame and like, all right, like, what does this mean for defense recruiting? What does Ohio state got to do moving forward? How do you build this class out? And can it just really be built on offense when you're bringing in two, three, five-star receivers and a five-star quarterback and, you know, a great running back, but nobody really on the offensive line and the defense is kind of iffy and you're not really sure about it. Well, Ohio State's top two players right now in the 25 class are defensive players. One of them plays defensive end and one of them plays corner. Uh, they have another top 100 corner and Blake would be like they're doing good things. Very, very good things on the defensive side of the ball. And, and they're still after some, you know, some kind of big time prospects. So what Devin Sanchez is as a player is big. What he represents in terms of pulling a kid out of Texas, the position that he plays, it's a premier position at corner. You know, that's a position that NFL teams want. Like, it's a big deal in a lot of different aspects. So that's the latest things that have happened. And one more thing that could be happening, and we're going to touch on more what Andrew was talking about in that second segment, but we're probably not going to do another recruiting pod between now and when Dorian Brew makes his decision, Andrew. So I guess we can just talk about it here. Who is Dorian Brew? Why does he matter to the Buckeyes? And when is his commitment date? Yeah, so Dorian Brew is going to commit on January 24th. Um, you know, he's he's being crystal balled by a lot of recruiting places to uh, to go to Ohio State. Uh, Michigan's in in the mix. Texas A&M is in the mix. A couple other SEC schools are in the mix. But this is a kid who, again, it's a little bit similar to Devin Sanchez. Uh, he's six foot two, one eighty five. He's got great length as a corner. He's got great speed as a corner. Uh, he's a, he's also a track athlete. Uh, by the way, his dad, Olympic gold medalist in the two thousand and four Olympics. His mom. Ohio State sprinter who is a member of the Ohio State Athletic Hall of Fame, right? Like this is a kid who has the background again. He's the number 20 player in the country. He's a five-star player. 
number four corner, number six player in the state of Texas. And for those people kind of saying, oh, wow, can Ohio State really pull two kids out of Texas? I do want to push back a little bit. He moved to Texas like three months ago. <laughs> he was in Ohio. Uh, he was out in the Dayton area in Kettering. Um, I'm trying to think. It was – I went to see him play at Fairmont High School, I, if, if that memory serves. Um, and so, he, you know, this is a guy who, who did just kind of recently move down to Texas. So this isn't a kid who's, you know, Texas born and raised and they're, and they're pulling him out. This is a guy who, you know, he lived in Ohio. He's got Ohio State in his family. You know, his mom, like I said, ran track at Ohio State, member of the Ohio State uh, Hall of Fame. So she's obviously an incredibly accomplished athlete on her own. Uh, dad, same deal. So this is a guy when when you look at it and you start to map it out, like, man, Ohio State could have two five star corners, and one of them's a top ten player. You have a number. You have the number six and the number twenty player in the country at corner that's ridiculous. <laughs> like that is a slam dunk alley-oop a plus touchdown home run, whatever sport cliche you want to use by Tim Walton and this Ohio state defensive staff. If you're able to pull uh, Dorian brew as well as Devin Sanchez and Zaheer Mathis. And it is only as we record this podcast, the third week of January. So obviously they pulled in a five-star recruit in Aaron Scott in the 2023 class, excuse me, 2024 class, and also top 60 recruit Bryce West as cornerbacks in that class. But both of those guys are in-state recruits. You're talking about one kid. I mean, he's, I mean, he pretty much grew up in Ohio. He moved to Texas two and a half months ago in Dorian Brew, but the other kid is a Texas born and raised guy. I mean, as you just mentioned, his parents played college sports at schools in Texas. So that's a, clearly a big deal. They've pulled five-star guys in the past, but they haven't had two five-star corners since Jeff Okuda and Sean Wade in the 2017 class. And I think that turned out pretty well as – well, in fact, Jeff Okuda also from Texas in that class. He ended up being a Thorpe Award finalist All-American and third pick in the 2020 NFL draft. So that's what's happening as of right now. We're going to take a quick break there. When we come back, we're going to – Talk about what this could mean for Ohio State's football program and how impressive it is they've gotten off to this run on defensive recruiting. And we'll get more into that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Ohio State's 2025 recruiting class as of right now has six commits. Andrew, four of them are considered top 100 recruits. In fact, they're all in the top 80. They're the number six player, the number 38 player, the number 48 player, and the number 77 player. And then obviously they've got two others in Javon Boggs, who's the number 223 player, but that's a guy – I mean, Ryan Hartline always finds one of these wide receivers who's maybe lower ranked earlier on in the process. And let's see where that kid is a year from now when he actually has to sign a piece of paper. We saw that with Jackson Smith, the Jigba in that 2020 class. He was, I think, a three star recruit, a more very, very low rated four star recruit when he committed to Ohio State. And by signing day, he was a five star recruit. And by the time he finished up his Ohio State career here, he held the record for most catches and yards in a single season. So that's an interesting that I mean, Brian Hartline's guys, you always maybe peek your head up regardless of what their rankings are. And then Eli Lee, number 484 player out of Archbishop Hoban in Akron, where it's, I mean, he, people think he's Tommy Eichenberg. And that's where Tommy Eichenberg is ranked, and he's kind of from the, a similar area. But those top, those top 80 guys, the four guys who are top 80 recruits right now, three of them are defensive players, and all three of them play positions that are typically top 10 picks on NFL draft day. Andrew, that is not the way we were talking about Ohio State football and their recruiting in January of the past couple of years here in terms of where they would be at. Typically, you saw five-star quarterback, 
some elite level receivers and we're wondering where the defensive play is. How much of that is a credit to the on-field product we've seen from Ohio State's defense the last two years where I think top 15 in 2022, top five, top three in 2023. Are you? Does this seem like a thing where it's the play on the field, recruits are seeing that, and now it's starting to pay off with more kids wanting to sign up and play for it? I think so. I think, but it could also just be – and I think it not also could just be, I think it is kind of, uh, it is kind of compounding and, and kind of a snowball effect of a couple different things, right? I think 100% it's kids on the field. Ask any kid, give any kid truth serum and what do they, like, what do they want to do? What do they want to accomplish out of their college career? Especially when you're talking about kids that are, you know, considering the kids, the schools that we're talking about, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, USC, Texas, et cetera, et cetera. Like what? What are what did they want out of their college experience? They want to go to the NFL, right? And they want to play in the NFL. And when you have the success on the field that is putting kids in a position to be high-level NFL draft picks, that matters. We all saw Denzel Burke play at a pretty high level in 2023 and set himself up to where he felt good about turning down what probably would have been a second round draft grade, a third round draft like that. That's probably where he would have gone. And he felt good about turning that down to come back to Ohio State. And obviously there's some NIL perspective that you could talk about with that entire crop of guys that's coming back. But you felt comfortable with that. So, you know, you have a guy who is going to be an NFL player in Denzel Burke. You have a guy who is going to be an NFL player in Davison Igbenosin. Like those are two guys who you see it, right? You can, you can just kind of like point, you can sit the kids down when you're recruiting them and just kind of like point to the TV and be like, you see that, that, that's you in two years. That that's you. That's you wearing number 11 or whatever you want to wear. Like that's like, that's you. And, and that's kind of a, that's an impressive sell. It sounds very simple, but that is an impressive sell. Success breeds success. And you want to be able to show kids that you can get them to the NFL. And, and Ohio State is doing that, that they're proving that they can develop these kids at cornerback to, to make them NFL prospects. You also got to give credit to Tim Walton. Um, Tim Walton is doing a really, really good job. I kind of gave credit to him a little bit earlier. Um, he's obviously an Ohio State guy. Um, in terms of like his past, uh, but he came back to Ohio State after having been in the NFL for a while, like coaching corners and defensive backs specifically. You know, so he he knows the college game. He did this a while ago. Then he goes to the NFL. He was with the Jaguars, the Rams, the Giants, the Lions. You know, he was he was doing a lot in the NFL. And then you get back. So not only are you telling kids. Hey, you want to come play for one of the best programs in the country? Hey, you want to come play for a defensive backs coach and a cornerbacks coach who has coached in the NFL and knows what it takes to coach in the NFL and knows what it takes to play in the NFL for these kids? Hey, do you want to come play at a program where you know that the NIL program is good and and is getting better? Like it's keeping kids around, obviously. Like there's a lot that goes into this. So I think it's it's absolutely fair to say that, you know, the success breeding success of kids getting to the NFL is a big part of it, but it's more than just that, right? It's, it's the recruiting operation. It's who's recruiting you and the relationship that you're able to build with some of these guys. That's, that's a big deal. So yeah, there's a lot going on here at at corner and, you know, you have to give kind of a lot of different people. I think a lot of different variations of credit. I think Tim Walton's just been a home run hire. Oh, and grand slam hire. Yeah. 
I think it's the best hire Ryan Day has made. And I know there are people screaming, Brian Hartline is still on the staff. What is wrong with you? Why are you saying these things? You're an idiot, Steven. What I mean by saying that Tim Walton is the best hire Ryan Day has made, Brian Hartline was already here. And because of the Zach Smith stuff, he was already running the room for a year. And so that became this no-brainer thing when you look at how Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon and then Chris Olave came on late that year and Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack, how they played that year. I don't think it was that crazy to think that Brian Day should have probably just held on the Brian Hartline. And it paid off, right? Because we see what Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave have turned into. Jack Smith the Jigba, what he turned into. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., I don't know. That guy's pretty decent. Emeka Ibuka looked like he was on a first-round trajectory, and then injuries got in the way, of course, in 2023. So maybe you're expecting him to get back on that trajectory in 2024. Uh, Mylon Graham, Julian Fleming was pretty quality here. I mean, he's not he wasn't a first-round draft pick for a guy who was, I think, the number three player in his class, but I thought he was pretty quality, especially in 2022. Uh, Who else can we name? I mean, uh, Brandon Dennis, Carnell Tate seemed to be coming along just fine the way you would expect those two guys to develop. And then this kid named Jeremiah Smith coming along as well than Mylon Graham in this class. That's a home run hire as well. But it's also you took a a guy who got thrown into a weird situation and said, hey, I want you to do this full time now and run the room. And but it's still a hire from within. Tim Walton played at Ohio State, but he didn't know Ryan Day. and Ryan Day didn't know him. There was no connection before that. It's just Ryan Day had to go find the best guy to do this job. And that meant going to the NFL and getting a guy that Jalen Ramsey at the time, there was like a famous quote of Jalen Ramsey saying that Tim Walton was like one of the best cornerbacks coaches he's ever had. But we weren't sure if it was going to work for a guy who had been in the NFL for the past decade. And the last time he had been in college, he was good, but I don't think anybody thought this was going to be what it was going to be. And so with that's why I say it's the best hire Ryan Day's had had to make because he went out and got a guy. And that guy is proving to be one of the most valuable assistant coaches on the roster, both because of the play on the field, to your point, Andrew, of Denzel Berg, Jordan Hancock, Davis Igbenosin, uh, Jermaine Matthews, Calvin Simpson Hunt as guys who are up next, but then also the way he's recruited that room for the past couple of years. Yeah, that's a you know that's exactly where I was going with my next comment. Like, it's it's one thing to be like, wow, Ohio State's twenty twenty five kids are great, but there are also like you could be as excited and as possibly could be about Devin Sanchez and Dorian Brew and you know all these other kids that are either coming or you know about ready to uh to show up at Ohio State like that's 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 great you should be but Jermaine Matthews was a four-star player and the number 51 player in the country in the 21 in the 23 class Mm -hmm. Calvin Simpson Hunt was a four-star player and number 62 player in the country in the class right you know go to the 24 class uh, Ohio State signs Aaron Scott, a five-star corner, number 34 in the country. They sign Bryce West, a four-star corner, number 58 in the country. And then they sign Miles Lockhart, who probably was a little lower rated because he doesn't have those like outside corner qualities that you would want. Mm-hmm. That's where they're going to play him. They're going to play him in the slot. But he's still a four-star player. He's number 388 overall right now in the 247 composite rankings. So you know, you bring in, I know those kids were from Ohio and Scott and West, and then you have Lockhart from Arizona, but you're, you're bringing in talent on top of talent on top of talent, because I don't care if you bring in 
the best cornerback class in the country or the best offensive line class, defensive line class, linebacker, whatever in the country. Because if you don't do it year over year, you're probably screwed. You know, like, you know, if you like if you follow up a class with Aaron Scott and Bryce West and Miles Lockhart with one corner who turns out not to work out, that's a problem because yeah, you might not feel that problem for a year or two, but that's a problem that you're going to have to solve and you're just bringing in an insane amount of talent year in and year out. And now when you look at Ohio state's recruiting room or recruiting like at cornerback and what the cornerback room is going to look like, find the hole, (laughs) like find, find the year that if everything goes haywire, Ohio state might have a problem. Uh, 2028. Like that's where we're at right now. Like, like if if things go wrong, like Ohio State might be covered until like twenty twenty seven or twenty twenty eight, and that is what great recruiting does for you. That's the I think the secondary, especially the cornerback room, seems to be off to this hot start. He's, if Brian Hartline's the best you got in terms of recruiting assistant coaches on offense, clearly Tim Walton is that on defense, and Larry Johnson's Larry Johnson, and until the day he retires or they decide to maybe go at things differently with that defensive line room and maybe bring in another guy who can maybe be an assistant defensive line coach until that's never not going to be an issue. People recruiting against Larry Johnson's age and you have to overcome that. And he, to an extent he did overcome it this past year with Lynn pulling in Edric Houston. That seemed to be the one where it was like, and I think Amaris Williams, uh, Andrew, you said that he was one of those guys who came out and said part of the thing that swayed him away from Ohio state because he wasn't sure that Larry Johnson was going to be there the entire four years. So that's just something you're going to have to deal with until you, uh, you kind of uh, just ad- adapt to that. Linebacker recruiting's in a weird spot right now because you've got C.J. Hicks and he hasn't necessarily done much. You've got Gabe Powers. He hasn't necessarily done much. And we're not really sure yet about James Laurinaitis' role yet in 2024 within this coaching staff. Is he going to be one of the 10 or is he going to be a GA again? The thing I do want to discuss with you, Andrew, is you, you let go of Perry Eliano and it feels like – the major reason you did that is because maybe he wasn't getting it done on the recruiting trail because the development of the guys in the room was pretty fine. And now they bring in Matt Garrieri. What are just, who are the Ohio State's top safety targets right now? And what are going to be some of the challenges for Matt Garrieri to try to play catch up with some of these guys? If there are any challenges. Well, yeah, one of the, one of the guys is Fahim Delane. Uh, He's out of good counsel in Maryland. Um, You know, obviously that's, that's a great league. Uh, the WCAC, that's that's a high quality level of play. He's listed as a corner on two four seven. Um, that's not tr- true. Like go, like he's actually a safety. He's being recruited as a safety, uh, but he's a five star composite player, the number one safety in the country, the number one safety in the state of Maryland. Like that's a player who Ohio State is really after. Um, you know, and, and you just kind of look at what he could bring. Um, you know, that would be a big deal. Uh, Jaden Hudson, he's out of Pittsburgh, California. I didn't know there was Pittsburgh, California, um, but there's no H. So there you go. If you ever want to tell the difference between Pittsburgh, California and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I can't imagine they're very similar at all. Uh, the one in Pennsylvania has an H, but Hudson, um, he's a number five, a 95 player in the class as a four-star player, number eight overall safety. Ohio State's in on him. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other guys, Messiah DeLome out of Warwick in Newport News, Virginia. 
Um, you know, he's a guy who, you know, that level of football again is very, very good when, when you get down into like that Virginia beach area, Newport news, Norfolk, that type of, um, that type of football, that's, that's an area you want to be in. So there's, you know, there's a lot going on in this class and it's still early for a lot of these kids. I think, you know, the one thing you don't want to say is, um, you know, that Ohio state's going to miss the boat on anything like that. I mean, like listen to the 2025 class, like here's the top 10 right now without listing teams. Here's the number of recruits they they have committed 14, eight, nine, eight, six, which is Ohio state six, seven, seven, five, and four. So you could kind of tell that, Hey, the higher ranked teams have the most recruits. Ohio state isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily behind the eight ball on recruiting. This is kind of where you want to be at this point. Um, so it, it, I, I do want to make that clear for anybody that might be nervous, like, man, if we don't jump on Delane now, we're, we're, we're in trouble. You know, we're, we're SOL. Um, that's not the case. You do have some time. But there is, I think, a – maybe you could even say a worry at this point about kind of where the safety room is, is headed. Um, you know, and, and I think that that is something that I will give credit to Ryan Day about is that you made the proactive move, I think. Because the reactive move would have been to wait till next year when you look around the room and you're like, uh-oh. And now you didn't do that. So you have Jihad Carter, Lathan Ransom. That's really nice. Sonny Styles is obviously there. Malik Hartford, Hawkins, Bonsu, Jane Bonsu, uh, Cedric Hawkins. Like you've, you've got you know some options there. But in the 2024 class, you bring in Leroy Roker. He's a three-star safety out of Florida. You bring in Jalen McLean. He's a four-star player out of New Jersey. But it was the misses that hurt the most, right? Um, you know, Caleb Downs, you miss on him. That's that's a tough thing to swallow. Um, you miss on KJ Bolden. You know, he's a five-star player in the 24 class. That's another tough pill to swallow. And it's okay to miss on guys, right? You know, I, I think, um, you know, that's, that's okay. You're not going to get 25 five stars every single class. That's just not the way that this works. Uh, it's okay to miss on guys, but you can't do it repeatedly. So, and um, that's why Ohio State, I think, kind of made the move because you could kind of map out the safety room after the 2024 season and say, okay, what do we got? You know, do you feel good about Sonny Styles sticking at safety. You know, what if you move? What if you move Styles down to linebacker because that's where he fits best? And all of a sudden, Ransom's gone, Carter's gone, and you got Malik Hartford. And then you're hoping that Bonsu or Hawkins or McLean or Roker can be a guy. And you know they'll probably not you know have extensive time this year without injuries. So the safety recruiting definitely you, you need to play some catch up. But I think getting Ransom back definitely afforded you some time. And it, it allows you the ability to say, you know what, if we can, if we can kind of weather a storm here for maybe a year, maybe a transfer portal guy to kind of patch things over, I think you'll be okay. But the, the safety recruiting definitely is a huge, huge uh, point of emphasis, I think, at the 2025 class, especially when you talk about a team that, you know, all the coaches and especially the defense coordinators say, this is a safety driven defense. You brought up the fact that Ohio State's got the number five class in the country in 2024 and the teams ahead of them to your point 14 commits for Notre Dame eight for LSU nine for Oklahoma and an eight for Auburn in comparison to Ohio State only has six commits I think the number people need to pay more attention to 
especially right now when it's this early, maybe you can pay attention to that total points number on signing day when the classes are a little bit more, or I guess full for the most part. The more important thing to look at is the average star rating, and that's where Ohio State's blowing a lot of those teams ahead of it away. They're at 95.18. The next closest, that's number one in the country. The next closest is Georgia at 95.02 right now. Well, it's technically number two, but USC has uh, a quarterback commit that's a five-star player. That doesn't. Um, you got one dude. Yeah, that that's what, well, count, that's what man. I'm saying. So Julian <laughs> Lewis. So it is early, and I wanted to make that point. It is early. So, like, you know, Julian Lewis, um, you know, he's a, he's a five-star player, number nine overall out of, uh, out of Georgia. But he's the Who's only just, commit that USC and that has. Really, let me tell you why that really doesn't count. He just got in yeah, that class just, like yep, two exactly. days ago because he reclassified. Yep. Which they, I, they, they, they got their own Quinn. Yeah, they got their own Quinn Ewers now. Um, so yeah, you, you know you you look at the um, you know you you look at the average ranking and stuff. Um, Ohio State's one. You know Georgia's right behind him, ninety five point oh two. Oregon's right there, ninety four point four nine. Florida State, ninety four point oh three. You know the the usual suspects are there, but Ohio State is doing this at a level that they are kind of at the top of the food chain in terms of average player recruiting and or average rating for each recruit. And there's something that people would want to know about and something that people I, I know for a fact have cared about because we get texts all the time about it. They're building this through the defense, right? Like this isn't mm-hmm. a class that has Jeremiah Smith that's number one and Mylon Graham that's number 18 or whatever he was. And, you know, you've got another five-star quarterback and you've got another five-star receiver, four-star receiver somewhere in there. And that's kind of buoying your rankings. Like these rankings are because you have Devin Sanchez and Zaheer Mathis and Blake Woodby. And then you have Tavian St. Clair, who's kind of in that mix too. So this, this is a defensive class so far for Ohio State. Good things happening in Ohio State's 2025 recruiting class. Like I said, they have six commits right now. They're the number five class in the country. Six commits, four top 80 commits, and three of the four are defensive players. And then the other one is your quarterback, Tavian St. Clair, who's from 30, 45 minutes away from your campus. And so you're not really worried about – what you've seen happen in some past classes with the quarterback situation where you get a guy early and you can't maybe hold on to him until signing day. I think there's a good reason to believe that this quarterback recruitment will look a lot similar to what Kyle McCord's recruitment was. Not we, His play on the field, that's a different conversation for another Don't day. say that and word a little bit louder. Just recruitment. The recruitment <laughs> of a guy locking in that early and making it to signing day. I don't think people should be worried about Tavian St. Clair that happening with him we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the last thing which is not necessarily i don't know what to classify the transfer portal yet whether it's recruiting or if it's its own little word it should be something else (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna talk about insert word i don't know if i'm gonna use that one quite yet but we'll get back into that when we come back here on buckeye talk the nick saban retirement effect is continuing to hit alabama as they're losing guys in the portal left and right right now that's the more I think about that, the more just I think about how beneficial it was to Ohio State that Urban Meyer handled his retirement the way he did. Because he, I think his announcement came out within like 72 hours after the Big Ten Championship game in 2018. And the fact that they did not have to have a coaching search, you didn't see this mass exodus of players. In fact, I think. The biggest recruit they lost was Jordan Battle, which was a big deal. He ended up going flipping the Bama and having NFL a pretty quality player. career oh. there. And he's an NFL player. He's a second-round draft pick, I think, to the Bengals. Third. So he's third. Well, 
I mean, you would know. You covered the Bengals for about six yeah, months there. But I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> I wasn't going to argue with you at all. But he, but he had a pretty quality career. And I think he's he's a significant part of the Bengals' future, even if he's not necessarily a starter yeah. right now, I believe. But you didn't lose a lot. You lost a couple of guys who were signed up to play for one guy. And that happens when you your coach is a legend. You get a bunch of players who were signed up to play for one guy. And that's what you're seeing right now at Alabama is a lot of those guys – Saban has been the trump card for Alabama for a long time. And so now that he's not there anymore, you're seeing a lot of guys jump ship, which goes back to a conversation Andrew and I had a couple of weeks ago when he was trying to tell me that Larry Johnson retiring from Ohio State would be more impactful than Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. How do you like those apples, Andrew? How do you like them? I don't know what you're talking about. How do you like them? I don't Steven know. Stephen is always about. right. Stephen is always right. That's not true. I'm not always right. In fact, I'm right like 45% of the time. But still. Why this matters to Ohio State, we, we've mentioned it in passing. Caleb Downs, the five-star safety out of the 2023 class, the number six player, number one safety, who then lived up to all of that in year one at Alabama. I think he led them in tackling and was a freshman All-American. Is probably the best safety in the country coming back to college football next year. He went into the portal this week. And then Caden Proctor, the number nine player in the top tackle in the 2023 recruiting class, originally committed to Iowa. He's from Iowa. Southeast Polk High School, which is the same high school as Xavier Wampa, who is the safety at Iowa right now. And Ohio State was high in on that guy as well. You didn't get either one of those guys. But Caden Proctor eventually flipped to Alabama, the saving effect once again, and ended up being their starting left tackle in 2023. And he looked about as what you would expect from a freshman tackle. He had some ups and he had some downs, but you could clearly see the upside there. Both of those guys in the portal, Caleb Downs, Ohio State's expected to go see him. At the end of this week here, I, there's no real developments with the Caden Proctor situation yet, but it feels like Georgia at least is in the lead for Caleb Downs right now. I'm not going to ask you, Andrew, to tell me which one of you guys, which one of these guys you think Ohio State's going to get, because that's not a real conversation. I do want to have a conversation, though, about the way we've talked about the safety room and the recruiting of the safety room. It's probably that like 10 times full for the offensive line room right now. With those two guys, knowing those guys have at least two more years of college football before they're NFL eligible, and with Caleb Downs, he's, I mean, he's definitely a three-and-done player at this point unless something goes terribly wrong, and maybe Caden Proctor's on that path as well. Which of these two is more important for Ohio State to land if they were to get one of them? I'm going to sidestep your question for just one second because I am curious about something. And I do think this is – it's not an Ohio State-specific question. I just – I am curious about this. And I think people would be too. If your coach leaves, why would you not enter the transfer portal? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you not enter your name into the portal? Because, one, you can always go back. There's nothing yeah. that says you have to go. And, two, it gives you the freedom to look elsewhere for free. because. Mm-hmm. If you tra- – like, if, for example, like let's use a name here. If Keon Keeley were to transfer or Caleb Downs or Caden Proctor or any of these dudes that were in Alabama's class, they don't burn a transfer year because their coach left. They're allowed to do that. If Devin Brown transfers, he's burning his transfer because his coach didn't leave. So why would you not enter your name in the transfer portal? I'm curious as to your thoughts on that because if I'm Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor – the second Nick Saban announces that he's retiring, I'm going into the portal and I'm seeing yeah. what deal I can get from another program. And I'm seeing if I'm just evaluating options. I think that's actually a good question. Cause it's very different than asking Action. what if you're, 
you're uh <laughs> it's different than asking if your position coach leaves or retires yeah because that's because i don't i don't not all most assistant coaches aren't that valuable which is why you talk so much about the ones who are right like larry mm-hmm. johnson tim walton yeah. uh brian hartline Kerry Combs, the first time he was at Ohio State as his cornerbacks coach under Urban Meyer. That's why you talk about them like that when they are that valuable. I think it depends on why you picked the school in the mm-hmm. first place. It's typically the right answer to that question. Because Tyler Booker, who was like a top 150 recruit in that class as well, that 2023 class as an offensive lineman, has come out and said, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I've always wanted to play at Bama. This was my dream school. So from that perspective, that's a kid who's talking, yes, Saban, he matters so much. We're not going to sit here and downplay the greatest college football coach of all time. But there were other reasons why he chose Alabama. And those other reasons for him still exist. So if that's why you picked the school, then you shouldn't transfer it. You should do what Tyler Booker is mm-hmm. doing and decide to stick around. I think if you're team is getting ready to bring in a significant upgrade of not even not a significant upgrade of course but if you don't think the level of the program is going to fall off then maybe you shouldn't transfer either because by the logic of your question andrew when urban meyer retired jeff okuda chase young jk dobbins well not not jk so much because tony offer was still here but jeff okuda chase young sean wade those guys Mm -hmm. should have been on the first boat out of here Right, those are well, national. You know, not on the first boat out of there, but you buy a refundable ticket on the first boat out of there. Right, and then if but you decide but, to stay, you can decide to stay. Right, because that's the, the that's what's interesting is the guys who are typically on the other side of the ball of what the head coach's speciality mm-hmm. is. Because that's right. what the case with Brian Day was. These defensive players didn't really know him that well. They didn't really deal yeah. with him because they're defensive guys. And he was an offensive coordinator, and they stuck around because they didn't think it was going to fall off, and they were right. They were. If Chris Olave goes right instead of left, they're playing in the national championship game that next season. So I don't think it's a simple – I think what makes it a good question is it's not a simple answer. Yeah. It's all about why did you choose a school? Mm-hmm. For a decade, most people were choosing Alabama because Nick Saban was there, and that's not wrong. Just like Chase Young chose Ohio State because Larry Johnson was here, and that's not wrong at mm-hmm. all. People chose Ohio State because of Kerry Combs. The Jeremiah Smith is in Columbus. Right now, as an early enrollee, he's in classes because Brian Hartline is on the staff. If he was not on the staff, he wouldn't be. And that's not wrong. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harris. Like, there's reasons for that. That's a. It's okay for that to be your reasoning when you're that high level of a player. So I, I think that's just the answer is you're not – I don't think – and we can get into this more on the rapid fire pod that's going to be the monday pod because somebody asked a really interesting question about saban and and alabama and where that program might be headed right now and i think i'll save my thoughts on that for the monday pod but i don't know if alabama is going to just fall off a cliff i don't think that but i don't think they're necessarily going to be what they've been for the past decade either there's a middle ground there and it depends on how much you lose because you're going to clearly lose your superstars and you're going to lose the guys who just got there as true freshmen and then in your 2024 recruiting class but if the guys in the middle all stay, those are the guys who are going to define where DeBoer has to start as a program yeah. at Ohio State trying to follow a legend. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wanted to ask that question and preface that question with, you know, the portal, I think everybody kind of looks at it as 
you know, too many kids enter the portal all the time and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think Nathan kind of made a joke about it a couple of weeks ago. Like the portal is just a holdout. It can be just a holdout. Like you can enter the portal as kind of a way. And like, that could be the thing. It's like, I'm going to evaluate my options as I'm waiting. Um, But it does not sound like Caleb Williams or Caleb. Oh my God. Caleb Williams, Caleb Downs or Proctor are uh, evaluating their options. They're going to transfer in terms of, the original question that you asked me, which was which one would be more impactful, I believe, for Ohio State. Um, it's crazy to say, but I think you take Proctor over Downs because Downs, like, that is a Minka Fitzpatrick level player, right? Like, that is mm-hmm. a Kyle Hamilton level player where you look at where they're going to go in the NFL draft and you're like, okay, that dude's going early and safety is maybe not as important as corner. So maybe you push that down a little bit down the positional value chart where, you know, it's not as valuable as corner or receiver or offensive lineman or, you know, quarterback, but that's a guy who's just a really good football player. So let's take him. But Proctor, it just, I think about the offensive line with Ohio State and what that would do. And I can't even think of an analogy for what it would do, but it would just 20, like you have Donovan Jackson as your left guard. He's coming back. Mm -hmm. And you put Proctor at left tackle. And then you basically just say, Hey guys, you know, 60% of the offensive line's open. You know, you got McLaughlin, who you just brought in as a Bama transfer. Um, maybe you want to put him at guard. Maybe you want to play him at center. You know, the the number one thing that you would want on an offensive line is competition. And I don't think anybody would look at this offensive line room and say, you know what? Tegra Shibola got jumped by Luke Montgomery because Luke Montgomery is the right tackle for this team because he's the best right tackle for this team. And if Tegra Shibola has to transfer because of that, I don't think anybody's going to look at it and say, you know, this is bad. If, if you find players that are better, that's just the cost of doing business. And I think one of the things that could prevent Ohio State from winning a national championship in the 2024 season is their offensive line. Is you know you you got a new quarterback coming in you got a you know you know you you have a you have a Buka still but you've got some new receivers coming in and the defense is going to be elite you you already know that it's just you worry about the offensive line kind of having a meltdown type of game kind of like Alabama did against Michigan mm-hmm. where you worry about them having this meltdown type of game where you get to the semifinals you get to the title game. And Will Howard just gets sacked five times because the offensive line isn't doing its job or the offensive line isn't just good enough to go up against five-star Caden Proctor-level players that are on the defensive side of the ball. So I think he would be more impactful, even though I think Caleb Downs is the better player. They just relatively, obviously, at their position. I agree with that because the floor without Caden Proctor in Ohio State's offensive line room is significantly lower. Than the floor of Ohio State's safety room without Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs takes a safety room that we think is already going to be pretty good, maybe even great, to like elite, maybe the best in the country. And that's fine. 
And maybe, and it gives you some options, of course, in, in terms of what you want to do with Sonny Styles moving move forward. Linebacker, yeah. Moving him to linebacker. Dude. for a year. It, it'd be great yeah, if, for it, safety, right? Right. It just gives you a level of options that uh, you every coach would want. You would want you want a, your problem to be, I have too many options and I have to, yeah. I have too many good players and I have to figure out how to play them. You know, that's everybody, every coach's dream is to be able to say that. But I think you're right. Ohio State's offensive line wasn't good enough last year. And right now, I think it, I think it'll be better just because some of these guys have experience, or maybe you're expecting guys like Tagore or Luke Montgomery to make a jump. And Seth McLaughlin had some bad moments this year. It's, it's. I don't think you can sugarcoat that. Whether it was the bad snaps in the Rose Bowl or the bad snap that put Alabama in that fourth and thirty-one against Auburn, like he had some bad moments this year. That's fair, but that dude's also a experienced two-year starter who, because. It's almost one of those situations where if you notice an interior offensive lineman, that's right. a bad thing. Something but really about, good happened or something really bad happened. Right. So, like, what about those other, you know, thousands of snaps he's played in his career where he just was doing his job I and mean, you didn't notice him? I think I'll take that and maybe some of the yips you've seen maybe get fixed down the line, here, especially for a guy who's going to be going into his third year as a starter somewhere. And and he was starting at Alabama, right? We're not talking about a guy who had bad snaps at right. UTEP, with all due respect to the Sanchez family, if you're listening to the spot. <laughs> but he was having he was having bad snaps for a team who was playing in the college football playoff. And so I'm, I'm only going to put so much on those moments, even though you do have to point them out, Andrew. But if you upgrade your left tackle, it opens up a chance to upgrade your right tackle because then there's like a – three or four man battle for that right tackle spot and that right guard spot. But your, your left side is pretty, you, you, maybe your left side's already locked in with, you know, Seth McLaughlin at your center, Donovan Jackson at your left guard and Josh Simmons coming back as your left tackle. But if you scoop Caden Proctor, a five-star dude who might have a first round potential into that role, and maybe you can think about moving Josh Simmons back to where he played at at San Diego state to your point, that improves the off- offensive line drastically. Cause that's the only real question mark. I think any of us have in terms of how good the group is going to be is offensive line and quarterback play everywhere else. You're not worried about, is it going to be good or not? You're just going to, you're more just what's the next step they can take. And I don't know if Caleb Downs has to be a part of that. I'm not saying Caleb, that's not my pitch for, Hey, Caleb Downs go to yeah. Georgia. Cause you don't, they're not, they don't need you at Ohio state. Cause that's not true either, but it's just in comparison to some other positions on the on this roster right now, I would to your point, I would not put safety that high. But Ohio State's expected to meet with Caleb Downs this week down in Georgia, where he's from. Georgia is favored as the school in his backyard and where his position coach at Alabama is actually yeah. at now. So Kirby Smart's trying to turn Alabama Georgia into new Alabama in that situation. Then Caden Proctor, he's already got a crystal ball for Iowa, but I think that might just be more because that's who he was, he was committed and he's from there. I'm, I think that one's still a little bit more interesting and up in the air given that it's the fresher one of the two in terms of those two going in the portal, but they are officially in the portal that will wrap up this recruiting pod. We talked a lot of defense because that's what's going on with Ohio state right now. They had one of the best defenses in the country in 2023. And as a result of that, their defensive recruiting has taken a massive jump and just quality players you're seeing come aboard with a few more potentially on the way, get the text 614-350-3315 as things continue to happen. That's where you'll get the news first. Two-week free trial, $3.99. After that, I promise you it's worth your time. So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.